The term game changer is tossed around quite liberally. And this is Sci-Fi Talk, the podcast on how sci-fi, fantasy, horror, and comics help us explore our humanity. I'm Tony Tolado. In the early 1990s, Warner's Animation decided to create an animated series on Batman. One of the key components was the hiring of Andrea Romano as the casting director. She not only cast, but directed the actors during the recording sessions. This is her story on that series and beyond. She's a Long Island native who was college-bound and attended two colleges but never finished while auditioning as an actor. And like most struggling actors, she would work during the day and perform plays at night, many times auditioning on her lunch break. In 1979, she moved to San Diego, where theater work was not that easy to come by. So she took a temp job at a talent agency, but it lasted longer and she became an agent until she left for special artists to begin their voiceover department. At Hanna-Barbera one day, she attended her client's casting sessions, and in short time, she was asked to be a casting director. She worked for Hanna-Barbera and then worked on DuckTales for Disney, even directing the second episode. She freelanced in 1989 when she worked on Tiny Toon Adventures and Animaniacs. Then her superhero journey began with Batman the Animated Series. Her superpower is using her acting background to assist her in voice direction. In casting for DC Animation, she created her now famous wish list of actors to voice characters. I keep a wish list of, of celebrity actors that I want to work with. And I, when I say celebrity, I don't mean they have to be a big fat movie star. I just mean there's somebody that's known because you can see their work on TV or whatever. Uh, so I have a massive list over the years of people that I wanted to work with. And that's the first thing I go to when I, I go, okay, who of a, and then I'll look and check, okay, we did offer so-and-so that role, but he just wasn't available. Or we offered that guy the role and he wasn't interested in the money we have for these. Because we don't have enormous feature film type money. Some of these guys get half a million dollars to walk through the door. We don't have half a million. That's our budget for the whole piece. So um, I keep notes as to why they turned me down or whatever. And so I start there. Then I look at TV Guide. And I look page through and go, okay, what's the, what are the top shows right now? Who is everybody looking at on TV? And how will that work? And who do I know? And who do I like? And then um, we all take a big meeting, just like this, where we all sit together. And it's Warner Home Video, Publicity, uh, Bruce Tim, myself, all the creative people. And we go through it and we go, who do we all like? Let's put together a list of names. And then after we've got this huge list compiled, we go, okay, now in what order do we want to go after these people? Who do we think will go well? Who's a good, you know, Superman to this lowest lane? Who's going to match up well? And then you have to make sure that you don't end up with, okay, the first Superman said yes, and we're down to, like, lowest lane number five, but they won't really be good together. Then you have to sort of revisit it and go, okay, who's going to... So, and then there's a thing called the um, Players Directory, which is a big, like a yearbook of all the actors in the Screen Actors Guild and you just page through and go, okay, this guy, oh yeah, I know that guy, he's great, what a great voice. And I had watched an episode of Castle and seen this wonderful actor with a great raspy voice. And I called up, tracked him down by IMDb and then called up Nathan and said, Nathan, is this a good guy? Oh yeah, I like him so much. And brought him in and he came in and did I forget which piece it is. I think it's something I can't even announce yet. We haven't talked about it yet. <laughs> great, great raspy voice. But I'll just do that. I'll just go, my gosh, that's a great voice. And then track him down and bring him in. There is more sci-fi talk, so stay tuned. Who is on your list of actors that you want to come in and voice act? I have so many. Who's on the um, 
John Hamm is still number one on my dream list. I just, I, 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 and I was so jealous when I saw an Archer episode and saw that he had done it. I was like, damn it, they got him first. So Superman, Batman, John Hamm? You know, I think he could do either of them, frankly. I really do. I think he's that good. I also think he could do comedy. You know, I think he's just that versatile, and I really would like to have a chance to work with him. And then there's very obscure, bizarre, strange people that I want to work with, like, laugh if you will, Alex Trebek. Wow. I love him so, and I've met him several times at, like, Emmy events and stuff, and I just said, I'd love to have you. And, oh, I can do many voices. I said, I know. I've heard you do it on the show. I hear you playing with voices, and I would love... So I will find something that will be fun for him and bring him in. Um, uh, um, Kyle McLaughlin... Not Kyle McLaughlin. I'm sorry. I'm going to forget his name now. Uh, okay. No, but uh, no, no. It's, isn't that terrible? It's the memory thing. I asked my doctor... Um, Character. No, no, no. He didn't work for me yet. Uh, um, Friday Night Lights. Oh, uh, Kyle Chandler. Kyle Chandler. Thank you. I think he's a lovely actor, and I would love to bring him in for something. Um, and that list constantly, as you said, it changes, it grows. Sometimes I cross people. Okay, I got them, I got them. And then sometimes that list is, I like them so much, I want to be sure to bring them back to play something else. So that that list is constantly evolving and, and growing. And um, I'm very lucky that a lot of people, agents, they, they have their agents call me up and say, so-and-so really likes your movies. They would love to come and do something. We don't pay a tremendous amount of money for these films. As you can see, they're not multi-bazillion-dollar features films. So the actors aren't coming in to do it for the money. They're coming in to do it because it's something that their kids can watch. So much of their on-camera work, whether it's CSI or Criminal Minds, it's too gory for their children. Animation, they can watch their kids. And if they can tell their kids, I'm going in to play Batman, suddenly they're the hero of the household. So we get a lot of people who contact me through their agent saying, I just signed such and such an actor. They mentioned that they know your work and they'd love to come work with you. So I keep that list as well. Sadly, we lost Alex Trebek before he could do any DC animation. Would have been cool to see him play a villain or even a hero. Would have been fun. She talks casting Justice League Crisis on Two Earths. One of the best things that you do in, in casting is that you've always been thinking outside the box. And you kind of lure people in here that <laughs> we never expected. Uh, was that the case in this one as well, especially getting somebody like James Woods? I, I had wanted to work with James for many years, so I was very pleased when he said yes and that his schedule would allow him to do it. I would have been much happier if we could have worked in the same city at the same time. We were long distance, but that's just the way it is. Um, I'm astounded sometimes at... I'm not afraid to make an offer to anybody. I'll, I'll offer, you know... I offered Sean Penneroll. He turned it down, but every once in a while, somebody says yes. And so, what's the worst that could happen? They say no? That's yeah. not... I'm used to that, because people can't do it. They don't have the time. They want to do a big, fat feature or whatever. But um, I like the idea that there's... There's so many actors out there, and they all want to play in this industry. Their kids can watch it. They watch it. It's not just for children anymore, animation. And I really do believe you can go harken back to um, Roger Rabbit, that brought animation back to adults. They just went, oh, that's right, animation is fun. I remember. And then the animation industry went wild again. And it really hasn't stopped since then. It's really been a roller coaster ride. Two, uh, two great choices in this, too, that I didn't expect, you know, would work well together. Mark Harmon is Superman and William Baldwin is Batman. Talk about, I mean, you're there directing them. Talk about what they brought to these projects. Well, the amazing thing is that Mark Harmon had never done this before. And he completely trusted me 
to direct his performance. And within five minutes, he was in, in the groove. I, I, I practically had to just slate and stand back. And I, I'm so absolutely crazy about that man. He was wonderful. I can't wait for you to see it because I thought he was stunning. Billy Baldwin dove in with such gusto and so much so and he had not done a lot of this work either and just a great set of pipes what a great voice he's got but there's things that are called impacts and, and uh, things you know when you get punched or when you throw a punch or you throw a battering or whatever and as we're working with Billy in the first session we watched him actually physically hit himself when he would have to do the sound and after a couple of takes I said Billy you've got to stop yourself I'm worried for your well-being and then the next time he came in he said I, I get it now I understand I don't have to actually hit myself but it was that kind of method acting thing where if I get hit I want to hit myself and see what it's like but my actors would walk out bruised out of every session nobody would ever come work for me again but the the the, the pleasure that I derive in working with these new actors is how much they trust me which is remarkable and and and, and truly they can trust me because I, I won't hurt them I promise I won't hurt them and I won't let them go out there sounding bad but how um, how willing they are to, to to just jump in and play and and, you know, there's a lot of freedom in animation voice acting because we, we do the voices first and then we animate to it. So whatever they can bring to the role vocally, whatever I can pull out of them, whatever ideas they have, gives the animators all that much more to play with. So that's a wonderful thing. And all these actors in this piece had lots to bring to that party. Well, I actually have seen it. And I, I loved the chemistry between Superwoman, Gina Torres, and also Owlman, James Woods. Fantastic. Can you believe that Gina and James never worked together. They did not record together. I know, wasn't it astounding? Even I was blown away by it. Because I, I, I was nervous at the beginning. I thought, I don't know, because they're not hearing each other's energies. And, you know, Gina may be a little bit, you know, more intense than James is. And she is a little bit more intense in performance. But they go together, I think, wonderfully. Because she kind of is the, the more aggressive. She's more aggressive sexually. She's more aggressive violently, viciously. He's much more laid back and confident, but equally equally as evil in it for himself. But they play it so well together. I'm so glad you saw it. That's great. Yeah, it's a great movie. Actually, I've been waiting for something like this since I was a kid. Oh, nice. Since I read the comics about the alternate Earths and stuff like that. Fantastic. Actually, we do need to mention something I think is also cool. The Spectre is on the DVD, too, which is another hero that I've always wanted to see animated. And this is actually a first for uh, DC Animated. I did not work on that project. Oh, okay. But I did see it, and it's awesome. It's beautifully animated. It's wonderfully voiced, and I couldn't be more jealous that I didn't direct it. <laughs> but it's terrific. I think it's a wonderful companion piece for it, and, and I'm glad it. And the Spectre is a terrific character. I, I didn't know much about the Spectre. Yeah. This is the thing about these projects, too. I'm constantly being educated, because I didn't, you know, girls my age didn't read superhero comic books when we were kids. We read romance comic books if we read comic books at all. And so I'm constantly learning about these new characters. I knew very little about the Spectre. What an interesting, fascinating character that is. And I think the way they depict it on that short is really interesting. There's a nice bonus point. Can you say about anything you're working on next, or is it hush-hush? There's, there's a very, very dark direct video coming up. And I, I've always thought, at some point, we need to do one where we go not too far, but right to the edge. Because, you know, in the, in the comics, certainly there's much more violence than we're allowed to portray. There's one coming up that is dark, dark, dark. And it was hard to record because as, as you're watching the actor go through what's happening, I, every once in a while, an actor will actually make me weep while I'm directing them. I'll actually be there and the tears will come down my face. And, okay. 
can we do this? Second, take that. Because they, they move me so much. And they're so in the moment and they're so there. And there's a piece coming up where I cried a lot directing it, watching it, working on it all the way through. It was When I read it, I thought, we'll never make this piece. We'll never make this piece. It's too dark. We made it. And I just saw the raw footage like just maybe three or four days ago. It's awesome. Wow. Can't tell you what it is, but it's exciting. Yeah, I know. I, <laughs> what, what the, and, you know, lastly, I thought like some of the finds that you brought into the universe, like Malcolm McDowell. Great. and And also, really, Kevin Conroy as Batman. I mean, I just thought he hit it out of the park. And the animated series is really how I got started in this whole Correct. thing. So, I mean, just people like that. I mean, that's amazing when, they hit, when you hit a home run like that. Wasn't he a find, Kevin oh, Conroy? And, you know, we've auditioned hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of actors. It's a pretty important character to cast. And we were really trying to make a mark in the animation world with this series. And I, you know, I probably heard 500 auditions, brought in 150 actors, and then started narrowing it down, narrowing it down, narrowing it down. And then Kevin Conroy walked through the door and Bruce Tim and I looked at each other and said that's it we're done he gets it and he's a Juilliard trained actor yes, he is. and he brings a lot of pathos to that character he doesn't just come in and do the voice he, he thinks about what brought Bruce Wayne to this point what is Batman's motivation to get involved in this why does he take on this ward why does it's all it's, it's fascinating for me it's been quite an education for me yeah, I wish we had a lot more time, but I know you have to go. Thank you so My much. My pleasure, Charlie. All right, Thank take you. care. Sci-Fi Talk returns in a moment. She talks about the voice cast for Justice League Doom and Batman Year One. We had new characters like um, Metallo in it, and I couldn't get um, Malcolm McDowell to come back. Uh, he was unavailable. I think he was in Europe, and we just couldn't get him within our production period. So I hired this wonderful actor named Paul Blackthorne, who was really good. And then Claudia Black came in to play uh, Cheetah. And then, so a lot of really cool, different new people that kind of got added to this extended family now. Um, Michael Rosenbaum's back as the Flash, and and, um, I have my list, I can tell you. Carl Lumley, <laughs> Carl Lumley. What was really fun about Carl is I had him play John Jones, of course, and then he got to play his like sort of equal, evil nemesis, Malafa'ak. And I had the same actor play the two characters, and that was really kind of cool, I think, for Carl, too, to be able to play those two characters. So it was really wonderful to have all these guys come back. I want to make sure I'm not leaving anybody out that's... Oh, David Kaufman came back as Jimmy Olsen. That was really fun. I haven't had him play Jimmy Olsen since the Superman series, and that was a long time ago. And then the beautiful uh, Bumper Robinson came in to play Cyborg, who really wasn't a part of the Justice League universe when we did that cartoon. So lots of good actors coming in for this one. It's a good one. Working with Ensemble Cast. I, well, you know, there's no studio that could hold 33 actors at one time. There's just they don't have enough mics or enough room. So, but I did record the ensemble cast of like the secondary tiers of actors, like Rob and Don, those kind of characters that clearly speak to each other. Um, so, the, I think I did one session where it was kind of tag team recording. We had maybe 15 actors there. I'd record five let them go, record five, let them go, record five, let them go. So as often as I could, I would put the two actors that had scenes or, the, or whatever number of actors together. Batman never worked with Gordon. Robin never worked with, she recorded all by herself. Everybody was, you know, that was always the challenge is making sure they sound like they're having a conversation, especially like in part one, you have that first scene with uh, Gordon and Batman, uh, Gordon and um, Bruce Wayne in the restaurant having cocktails. And they didn't, rec I think they recorded weeks apart. I mean, I think it was like, 
three weeks between those two actors working. So my, the challenge for me is always making sure that the voices sound like they're in the same room and having a conversation. Getting actors to voice action like Peter Weller and Mark Valley did for The Dark Knight Returns. What I have to deal with is things like you're actually running through this scene, Peter. So just having talking like this isn't going to work. You're going to have to have that energy and those kinds of specifics that are maybe not indicated really clearly in the dialogue, but that have to be directed to make sure it's appropriate. The challenge, certainly for anybody like Peter Weller or, say, Mark Valley, who played Superman for me, is there's so much fighting in these pieces. These guys are terrific actors. I never have to worry about that. But teaching them how to do and making throwing a punch and receiving a punch sound different, that's the challenge. Working them through hundreds of those cues to make sure it matches the picture. And they were all game for it, but you know, after three hours of doing it, they get tired. They really do, and I understand it. I don't like to use a library of those sounds because it gets all kind of boring. It's the same oof every time. So you do every individual cue to picture, and there's thousands of them. Also talking about Gary Anthony Williams from the same film. Gary Anthony Williams I've worked with on The Boondocks, another series I direct, and he's a remarkably versatile actor. And what's so wonderful about how versatile he is, is when you watch part one, it maybe the second or third speaking role is a black news anchor, very sort of thin with glasses. And that's also Gary Anthony Williams, and then he's the mutant leader as well. And they're as far away voice-wise as you can imagine. They're just completely, you would, you would never know it's the same actor. Such a, a tribute to his versatility. And, um, you know, you needed this kind of authority, this strength. And then again, I needed someone who could do hours and hours of fight walla because that last scene in part one is so intense. And there's, it's very interesting when you start doing, to work to picture like that. There's things that even I don't see that I need the director or Bruce Tim, the producer, to point out like, okay, that's a point where the mutant leader nails scrape across Batman's chest. And like, I didn't actually see that specifically. So it had to be a really good, uh, really pained sound as opposed to just a uh, as if he'd just been sort of hit or, or a glancing blow and Gary is just stunning at that stuff so that was all great and staying on that theme casting Michael Emerson as the Joker the reason I cast Michael Emerson as the Joker is that I knew he would do that. And that's, you know, I, we all have in our heads what we think the Joker sounds like, whether you were brought up with Mark Hamill's Joker or whatever. You kind of have an idea in your mind. And what a stunning actor. And I, did you enjoy the, the whole process? And he said it was the hardest work he ever did, which I found fascinating because it was such a new novel thing. And we recorded him. He was here in New York. I was in L.A. And it was the first time I ever recorded someone by Skype because I wanted to watch him and I wanted him to see me. Because when you give a direction, if you can do that to an actor, it helps them. You do that, for, it helps them. It, uh, and, and watching him was just fascinating. And at San Diego Comic-Con, I chatted with her about JLA Gods and Monsters. It's kind of like taking out our conventions of our heroes uh, and throwing them out the window, so to speak. And so voice casting-wise, you had to kind of like not lean on the old favorites a little bit. How did you approach this one? Well, the truth is, it's, it's wonderful to work on a piece that is an original piece because you can just go from scratch. You don't have to deal with any of the preconceived notions of what Batman is, what Superman is, because they're really different in this piece. And there are two actors that I have pursued for a decade at least, Benjamin Bratt and Michael C. Hall. 
and when this came up I thought let's try one more time and it just lined up they just were available and we were able to get them and we know of course that Michael C. Hall can do voiceover because we've heard him do it for Dexter for years and then Benjamin Brad just that gorgeous voice and we knew that he could do the acting and so we were lucky enough to get that all lined up Tamara so wonderful I just love working with her Paget, I'll work with her any day of the week and so it was lovely to be able to just bring in some people I've worked with before but not necessarily in the same roles I've used them for before so who is the hardest to get the hardest to get yeah ooh that's a very good question ah there was an actor we were trying to get for years and years his name is Tomo Pennicott. Yes. And we got him because I went to a taping of Criminal Minds and they were doing a table read for the next episode and he was sitting in front of me at, during the table read. And so I got up and said, my name's Andrea Romano, we're trying to find you, blah, blah, and that one actually ultimately lined up. But because he's Canadian, he didn't have the right working papers, that made it very difficult. It was just legal stuff we had to go through, but that was probably the biggest challenge just as far as getting it to happen. Now, how do you determine if you bring an actor back who has been in previous films rather than cast someone new there's um, sometimes it has to do with the art style of the piece and so Warner Brothers uh, home video Warner animation and DC comics say to me we want to keep the visual style the same as the last one we did so will you please try to get the same actors that you had before sometimes that works sometimes they're just not available and we had a really interesting instance on this piece where um, we wanted Shamar Moore to come back to reprise his role and he I mean literally for three months the entire production period I tried to get Shamar to come back and he wanted to do it and he had such a good time the first time doing it and it, I could, it was for Cyborg and I, I just couldn't work it out we had to ship and get the animation going and so I hired a wonderful actor named Sean Patrick Thomas and he did a wonderful job and then the animation came back and we got a message that Shamar's schedule had suddenly opened up and did we want him to come back and we and we did they, they, the directive to me was we want to keep the continuity so we brought him back in and he ADR'd so he worked a picture and redid the entire film and it wasn't because Sean did anything wrong it was just that desire for continuity so a lot of it is the requests that are made of me and then a lot of it's just sheer availability I mean production has to move forward at some point so I wait and wait and wait and wait can you do a Saturday can you do a Sunday can you do anything and it, we have to just deal with the reality something like working uh, with James I've been working with him for a long time now we did the Brave and the Bold together and we did a bunch of other of these films and as with any job, as you work with someone for a longer period of time, you get a shorthand of, of dialogue, and so I pretty much know what James likes, and um, he knows what I like and what I do best, and so we work well together that way, and he's a truly nice guy and a very talented artist and a very good producer, and so it's only been a pleasure, just a pleasure. Andrea Romano was a very unique casting director. She literally would direct the segments of the voice actors and guide them into how to do a DC animated project. She's worked with many of them and really helped shape this. She was part of that initial team that got together for Batman the Animated Series and made animation history. That's one of my favorite all-time series in animation and probably one of the best portrayals of Batman ever. Andrea Romano, she didn't know anything about superheroes, but got a crash course since 1992 until she retired most recently. This is Tony Tolado for Game Changers. Thanks for listening.